Hello and welcome to another SPAC Insider podcast, where we bring an independent eye in interviewing the targets of SPAC transactions and their SPAC partners. I'm Nick Clayton, and this week my colleague Marlena Haddad and I will be speaking with Gaston Palladini, co-founder and CEO of Mulek Science, which announced a $504 million combination agreement with Lightjump Acquisition Corp. in June. Mulek is pioneering a new way to achieve plant-based foods, not by just creating alternative meats out of plants, but by taking dairy and meat proteins and programming the plants to grow it themselves. Palladini discusses how his background in the conventional foods industry gives Mulek the upper hand in proving its technology, and how its journey as a DSPAC of a DSPAC gives it unique opportunities to accelerate towards commercialization. Take a listen. So just to start off, Gaston, you know, you come from a big food family. Can you just talk a little bit about what the, the Paladini name means down in Argentina and how your experience around the family business informed what you're trying to accomplish with Mulek? Yeah, thank you for, for raising that topic, you know, because personally, it's, it's a very strong thing. It's not a heavy bag, but uh, it's a really strong thing because um, I'm the first fourth generation member of the family that Actually, the, the board director, uh, as, a, as a formal director, uh, we are close together. We're 100 years of history. So we started in 1923. My granddad used to work there. My dad as well in production. I have 41 years old, but I would say that I think that I was born more in a slaughterhouse than in a hospital because of this a strong family legacy. Panadini means a lot to me and a lot for Argentinian people. It's a very, very well-known brand. Uh, and at the same time, it's our last name as a family. And so it's a double responsibility in society. Really traditional. Uh, it's uh, the typical cold-cut meat business. Uh, sausages, meatballs, hamburgers, ham, mortadella, bologna, uh, salamis, all that kind of products. It's one of the, the largest meat players in, in the region. And we are definitely the biggest pork producers. Main reason why I founded Mulek was because I, I really want um, not only to work in and to disrupt the industry with an alternative solution, it's also because I personally want uh, an alternative answer to my kids, the fifth generation. The truth is that we need to start thinking how we are going to boost the system. We need to start producing more with less. We need to start to find some alternative solutions. And in my opinion, there's nothing better than science and technology combined with the traditional experience. Food producers know to really knows how to do it. The plant-based industry have just started. And what we know is that it's quite impossible to change and substitute all only with plants for two main reasons. Why? Because we will never find the exact mouth experience just only with plants. And we want to have good products. We want to have good food. The thing is that we all know that an oatmeal will never match the nutritional values of uh, the traditional milk. So going back to, 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 to Mulek and, and to meat, I personally believe is that what we really need to achieve is parity. We need to, to reach the same of what nature gives us every day. And that's in the animal, not, in, not only in plant, with plants. So what, what Mulek is doing is combining these two specific words, the plant-based, affordable and scalable solutions with these specific needs. The market needs taste, mouth experience, and nutritional values. We believe that molecular farming should be the full technological pillar in alternative protein after plant-based 
precision fermentation on cultured meat because this is definitely a good way to get the scale and cost that the market needs. Because at the end of the day, what we are doing is producing the same animal molecules using plants. And this technology is a proven technology. Molec is a pioneer in molecular farming in food. And that's my, I could say, this is my first and, and main motivation. Yeah, great. And I, I want to get into your, your methods in just a bit, but just real quickly before we, we jump in there, this deal is interesting in that, you know, it's what we call a, a DSPAC of a DSPAC and that BioSeries went public via SPAC itself a, a few years back. And so I'm just interested in, in your perspective. And I guess, when did you first start thinking about uh, a SPAC as being an option to accelerate MULEC and, and, and what were some of your impressions and sort of what you heard from the BioSeries team moving forward? Well, we always think that the, there is a, a huge opportunity by using the public market for good. We really believe that, that there is a, a huge value, value by being the first movers. There is a, a lot of value by being first movers. Uh, in the became the first molecular farming food tech company in public markets. Um, we are for the long run. We leverage BioSource experience using public markets to get the credibility that we need to build a company, to build the relationships, uh, not only with public investors, also with established players. We really believe that it would be much better if we could innovate and disrupt the industry from the inside. And that's why that's uh, the main rationale, because I, I'm, I'm from the traditional industry. So I want to co-work with established players to go faster. That's our, our focus, right? yes. to, to build a B2B business more. Personally, for me, it has a lot of value by having BioSource backing us to use their, their own experience to become public by, uh, through a spa. So there has long been work to create plant-based alternatives to traditionally meat-centric foods out there, but what Mulek is doing is in some ways going in the other direction, finding ways of getting meat proteins into plants to do that even better. So can you explain to us how that works? Sure. Uh, it's a very good question. We are modifying seeds with animal proteins. We, we are doing a hybrid concept combining animal proteins and, and plant proteins. You know? But to understand how farming work is to, to first understand the traditional value chain. That's where I come from. And the traditional value chain is quite simple. It's, you have seeds to grow soy, to grow soybean, to grow a crop. And you harvest, you get the grain. And that grain, most of that grain, let's say at least 50% of that grain goes to feed feed animals livestock. And that's the way that the traditional animal value chain works. And then you get through a slaughterhouses, the raw material to produce processing meat or processing products and get the food that we love. Uh, that's how it works. How molecular farming works is like, uh, we see this way, we hack the system. Because what we do is we, we change the logic. Instead of feeding animals with grains, with plants, with plant proteins, we feed plants with animals proteins. We, ins we select the specific proteins from the animals that could improve at the end of the value chain, taste, flavor, coloring, and, and organolytic properties, and also to improve nutritional values. We insert this DNA, and I'm talking about the exact code, like, like more IT, you know, it's because it's a code. It's not 
we, do, we take the animals out of the equation completely. We insert the code, the exact code, directly in the germal plants of the plant. And that happened in a lab. We modify that plant, that seed, and we get a new generation of seed. It's the normal soybean with this specific protein gene inside. And we will grow the crop, keep original proteins of the plant, but with addition of this animal protein gene, and then the biology do the rest. Sun, water, and soil, traditional farming system, the traditional recovering protein system, and we could get at, to the end of this value chain a better ingredient. Not purifying animal proteins because we do not need to do so. And that's the beauty of what we are doing. That's the beauty of what, why we chose soybeans, for example, or, or pea. Because soybean, soy proteins and pea proteins are the main meat analog, the, the main meat substitute in the current business. What Mulek is doing is boosting these plant proteins with animal proteins inside from the very beginning of the value chain. So that's the beauty of our technology. The only thing that we actually modify is just the seed. Then the biology do the rest, the farming process do the rest, the recovery process do the rest, and we do not need to customize the whole thing. The final goal is to get better ingredients, to give back the reality into the equation, because that's what we need at the end of the day. We need to match mouth experience, we need to match nutritional values, and we need to match affordability. We need to match the cost. And how we could get the cost? Well, we expect to get the cost that the market needs by using traditional farming. We are not aiming to increase the cost in this change because the only thing that, again, that we actually modify is just the seed. So it's all investment at once until you get a new generation of seeds. And that's where our IP is in, the more, in that new seed. We are very IP, very intellectual property driven. We have already more than 15 patents and we are growing our IP portfolio. But it's feasible. Our chief sign officer, Amit Dingra in the United States has more than 25 years of experience modifying seed for different other purposes. Molecular farming is not a new tech. It was a pharmaceutical tech, similar to culture meat or fermentation. But what, what Mulek is doing is being pioneered in food by bringing this tech from pharma to food. And by having BioCell with us as a partner, it's a huge competitive advantage for us because we have the upstream covered. BioCell has operations in the United States, operations in Southern Cone, our friend, GM-friendly countries. They know how to, to, to produce soybeans. And this is a huge competitive advantage for us by having these backers. Now, we are leveraging their experience to expand molecular farming in food with these biotech and agricultural companies such as BioServers. And we've also seen some of the inputs for earlier vegetarian meat alternatives still struggle with some sustainability and scalability issues. And you spoke about molecular farming a bit earlier, but can you just elaborate, how is molecular farming different? The good thing about molecular farming is that our plants uh, works as bioreactors, as small factories. We are leveraging nature. We do not need big tanks to produce our animal proteins. What we need is more acres. If you compare our technology to another technologies, the good thing about Mulek is that the infrastructure is already there. The only thing that you need to do is to change the seed. The farmer, the, the only thing that the farmer needs to do is to change the seed. 
and we are producing our own germal plants in commercial germal plants. We are aiming to replicate the same yields, the current soybean. So by having these plants as bioreactors compared with other technologies is, is a huge competitive advantage because we, we know how to scale our product. It's a matter of, of, of having a, a good contract with farmers. And that's, that's why we, we believe uh, the, the relationship with bioservices is, is definitely a good thing for us. Another thing that is quite uh, interesting uh, for us is that what I described before, by choosing the specific molecules and combining it with the specific crops, we could get not only the crops and the plants as bioreactor, also as final product. Most of the alternative meat products are made with soy proteins now. They use soy texturized, soy concentrates, soy isolate, that's ingredient from soy, without any animal proteins, but just soy. Well, our soy has the two different benefits. One is the TVP, you know, the, the, the matrix of that ingredient. And secondly, is this, these specific molecules. So by combining both, thinking always from the very beginning to the end, to the final application, we could get products much competitive because we do not need uh, an extra purification cost. We could always purify if a customer wants, for example, just only the animal product. So you could sell the soy protein from, from, one, from one side and you could, you could sell the, the animal protein. But at the end of the day, the, the fruit producer needs both to produce alternative meat. So the logic of our combination between plants and animal proteins was always to improve the cost. A plant as a bioreactor and a plant as a product combining also with animal protein genes with a competitive edge because it would be a, a unique ingredient. Great. And I want to talk about the kind of the competitive landscape a little bit there too, uh, as you were touching upon. Um, as you mentioned, you know, there the companies modifying seeds for, for greater yields and nutrition, et cetera, for a while now. But there are a few other companies out there that are trying to get so, some dairy and meat proteins into plants. But just so where how, how do you compare with some of those in terms of where you are in your development and how you're you're approaching that, that particular problem? That's a very good news for us. Huh? not to be alone here, you know, because this proved that molecular farming is the fourth technological period in alternative protein. Now, the, 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 the landscape understands that this, is a, this should be a technology that will compete with other technologies. But going back to your question, Mulek is not the, the typical startup that started from scratch in a garage. You know? Mulek is in a spin-off from Bioservice. Uh, we didn't start from scratch. We, we are a spin-off. We incorporate the company in 2020, but we incorporate a whole platform, molecular farming, that, that had started in 2008 by developing a proof of concept uh, that was a, a bovine protein for the cheese industry. That was chymosin. I don't know if you know, but chymosin, or you could call it as rennet, it's called it as rennet as well, is a specific ingredient for the cheese industry. You need chymosin to for the clotting of the milk when you, you produce cheese. Chymosin was the first molecule that the FDA approved in the 90s through precision fermentation technologies. Mulek's team inside BioServe achieved the same in 2010 by using plants and not microbes. And that was our proof of concept at that point in time. And that was the platform that Mulek was built. 
this, this plant-based chymosin. Going back to the landscape, Mulek definitely is the pioneer here. We have not only the experience because of this proven uh, platform inside predecessors' companies, we also have all what you need to get a product on the market. And I'm talking about the scientific team, the IP focus, the laboratories. I'm talking about also the breathing, breathing experience, the greenhouses experience, the regulatory experience to get product through molecular farming technologies to the market. We, we thought if we had produced a bovine protein in a plant for the food industry, for the cheese industry, for this specific molecule, why don't we use, uh, we start producing different other molecules with much more value with different crops. Huh? At that point in time, we, we thought, well, we should create a standalone company and, and, and we started producing uh, the first ideas and putting these first ideas into, into different projects. So we are playing our own game here. We are very happy to see other molecular farming companies in the landscape. I think that dairy has their own challenges. It's the same tech, maybe it's the same host, but it will not be the same final application. So I'm really encouraging the, the dairy companies to, to move forward with their plans. We are all on the same page. We all want to grow the, uh, and to, to consolidate molecular farming as, the, as a whole. But what we do every day is to, to focus on our, our own projects, our own seeds. And we see a lot of value by, by being really focus on, on meat. And another thing that I really want to add is, is the mindset, you know, because we have, a, we have the mindset to recover all from the crop. We produce chymosin with safflower, safflower seeds. Safflower is a marginal crop, but we also have a second product that, that's GLA. And GLA is a nutritional oil, it's omega-6. It's a specific nutritional oil for nutraceuticals and also for food. We acquire this patent or GLA because we see we saw a lot of value by combining proteins and oils uh, in the same crop and recover both products from the same source and, and to improve the economics, no? to get the high value by product. So my point here is that I don't know what other companies are doing, or maybe I know, but I, I don't want to talk about the other ones, but what we is to focus always in getting down the cost. Uh, that's, that's the main goal, and to recover more from the same source. Um, and the other thing that Mulek has, compared with other companies in the landscape, is that we focus on B2B. We don't want to do the whole thing. We could do it, but we see a lot of value by, by focusing on IP and ingredients. That's a lot. If you want to do the whole thing, it would be a great reward, but, um, but food value chain is huge. We are not going to teach a food producer to produce food. Close to 70% of the meat in the world is processing meat. It's not just the whole cut. It's processing meat. That's Paladini's uh, business, you know, sausages, hamburger. So I'm not going to teach the Paladinis of the world how to produce processing meat. I'm not going to teach how to sell an end product into a shop. That's what the CPG companies does for, do every day for, for, for so many years. They know how to do it. What they don't have is a unique ingredient to start producing and formulating products in a better way. What we can't find in the market is, is good alternative ingredients. 
So that's our goal, was to get good, affordable, scalable, better ingredients. Uh, our goal is to give back the real animal protein into the equation, the more sustainable without har uh, harming animals. And it's feasible. We have already proved that that is totally feasible. So the, the best is yet to come. So I wanted to get into your initial product mix, addressing your two products for dairy replacements and the two meat replacements. What does the value chain look like for those products? And what does the market look like for them from a scale standpoint? We always think and Kymosin as, as a proof of concept that validates the technology. It's a product at the end of the day, but we will not have a competitive edge with Kymosin. It's just to prove that we could use plants and not microbes and not animals to get the same molecule. Kymosin at the end of the day is a very small market, a very specific market. Of course, we want to, to relaunch this product. We want to hit the market. We, we are aiming to commercialize this product, but the good part comes with, with the meat replace. It's a much bigger market opportunity. We see that uh, it's quite unique. There is no soy concentrate that have animal proteins mixed in a final ingredient now in the market. It's quite new. It's definitely a, it's a category create. We are creating a new way of seeing these commodities. And that's quite interesting. I, I think that the, the market needs these kind of solutions to different industries uh, in, the food, in the food value chain as an ingredient. Huh? There are companies that develop additives, coloring, flavoring, bindings, uh, texturizing, this kind of specific ingredients. That is around 50 to 60% of the cost of alternative meat. Very few volume, a lot of cost because they're quite expensive, quite specific. They are trying to replicate reality with who knows what. And the other part of the cake is uh, TVP, plant proteins, mostly soy, some parts of small pea, chickpea, fava beans, and some more portion of the pie. But the players are, mostly of the players are separately, uh, the players of the, of the additives and the players of the plant proteins. These are commodities, these are specific high value products. What Mulek is doing is combining both. That's why we are category creators, because we are creating the third category that is a hybrid product with both from the very beginning. A hybrid product that could get a better solution to a food producers. And we could do that because we are insiders. Huh? We know how the, the value chain works. We know how the food producers work. I come from. I came from, from one of them. So there are a lot of challenges, but it's feasible to get, uh, to, to get these kind of products at the end of the day. And, and by being first movers, uh, there is a, a huge value to capture by having this, uh, this product. And also exciting of, of the, the different conversations that we are having with established players. Everybody is quite excited about what we are doing. So, so that's why we are, we are moving forward to public markets capture that part, that part of the value and they open our, our doors to, to public investors and, and give them the opportunity to invest in the, in the science. Right. And where are you in the process of commercializing these products? It looks like the dairy ones are further along while the meat proteins are at the earlier stages of the pipeline. 
Yes, um, that's true. Kymosin and GLR already approved it, are already patented. We already have the seeds. It's a matter of scale them, multiply these seeds. So we are in the scale up stage, multiplying them in the United States and Argentina. Uh, we use these two territories to, to go faster and to get the, the proper amount of, of seed stock to launch these products. So we expect these products to, to be launched at some part of the beginning of 2025. The mid products, the mid replacement products are in, still in R&D. We are moving really, really fast. So with the, these concepts, two products, with the proof of concept, and then we, re, we replicate that experience in these other products. In the middle, you, you work the regulatory side, the IP side, uh, and some other, uh, other things. Plants take time. It's not just because of the, of the science. It's also because we are talking about nature here. So plants take time. There is a biology time that you need to respect. So that's why it's, it takes time, take time, but definitely worth it. Because uh, at the end of the day, what we, what we are doing is uh, creating a new generation of, of plants. We will get to that part. With full commercialization, still a little wise ways out, as you were mentioning there. You know, what are some of the major milestones that you're looking forward to over the next couple of years, and that that investors should be looking for as you're going through this continued process of, of getting that to market? A very good question. From the scientific point of view, the milestones are to to move forward with all the stages. I'm talking about transformation. I'm talking about stable transformation. I'm talking about seed multiplication, field trials. There plenty of um, different sub-stages that you need to move forward. It's too technically, but, but, but um, we are on track. Regulatory pathway from the USDA and also from the FDA, when we talk about the United States. So we are in direct conversations with the regulators. There are some, some few milestones there, uh, really feasible, but you, you need to check. I will summarize both of them and also IP. We are protecting all the things that we can, not only to, to raise the bar for competitors, it's, it's, all, it's also to create uh, intangible value for our shareholders. And as you work to get more food producer clients on board, what are you hoping for those agreements to look like in terms of value and length? And, and ultimately, what can you tell us about the MOUs and the MTAs that you've already signed? I can't tell you who are they, but I can say that big players, established players are quite interested in, in our future products and they're aiming to test and validate our samples in advance. And that's in the, in the ingredient and food industry is quite common. It's very common to co-work ingredients companies and R&D departments or food producers together to get these ingredients, insert these ingredients into formulas, commercial products, new products. That's take time because you need to analyze, you need to validate, you need to be sure, you need to get this approved. And sometimes you need to tweak them uh, and find uh, the best way to, to, to get them uh, to the formulas. And for us, the MOU step us to formalize this way of relation. And at the same time, this is the perfect timing to do that, you know, because when you start getting some samples and start getting some information and you have on the other side, people that really understand what you are doing and wants to start testing some, some stuff in their own formulas, 
for us is the, the the best way that what you are doing is in a good direction or not, or maybe you need to to shift, to change, to you know, or to tailor make some 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 product. So there is a value of this relationship, and we believe that this kind of thorough relationship with, um, with, with these companies are a good go-to-market strategy uh, because they will probably be that what we expect to. We expect really to have these company as future customers, or at least early adopters that help us to expand our future ingredients in the future. Totally. Great. And so you know, looking more of the near term, before I let you go, do you have an update in, in terms of the timeline of this particular transaction and when we're going to get to that exciting symbol switch and all of those fun things? I'm really, really busy. It's quite a challenge to run a business, uh, an R&D team. PhDs and the whole operations in parallel with the transaction. We all know that it's, it's not easy, it's very time consuming, but I'm lucky I have a good team working 24-7 in the transaction and 24-7 in the science. We are expecting to enlist it uh, before the year end. We are in, in perfect timing. Well, the, the, the schedule is fine, the agenda is fine, the vendors, uh, the suppliers, uh, everybody's working really, really hard to achieve this goal. Very soon, the public investor will, will see more news from Mulek after the, the BCA press release. So stay tuned. Great. Well. It's going to be very exciting to continue to watch Mulek as you continue through this process, and especially through the development process. There, there's a lot more to discover and a lot more to, to see as this moves forward, but it, it's truly going to be exciting to have some of these products uh, on the market, on the shelves, uh, not too far in the future. Um, but so thanks so much for being on. Thank you so much for letting me tell the Mulek story.